Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Italy are champions of Europe after England suffer more penalty pain. I'm Dan Burke and I'm joined today by our triumphant Francesco Portio. It's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming home. Ciao, ciao, ciao. A disappointed <laughs> Angelina Kelly. Hello there. <laughs> and, uh, and Joel Sanderson-Murray. I, I don't know how I would sum up your emotions today, Joel. I would say just as happy as Francesco, for sure. <laughs> Come on, you don't mean that, do you? I really do. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you watch the game, Fra? Have you brought your, uh, and, and have you brought your megaphone for the podcast today? Uh, no, it's still in the car. Uh, I left it there at 7 in the morning this morning, 7 a.m. And uh, it was by far one of the best nights of my life, I can confirm. Uh, I watched it with my friends at one place where we watch all the games of these Euros. And uh, nothing. i just thankful for Roberto Mancini that was born uh, six years ago, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, you sound a little hoarse. <laughs> I'm <noticing> now. <laughs> Uh, Joel, Angelina, did, did you enjoy the spectacle of the final despite the result? I did. I think you can always enjoy and appreciate a good final. Uh, well, I don't know whether it was good. Some people might debate that. But I, I think you can always appreciate a final. It wasn't a great game, was it? But it was on a knife edge the whole way through. Yeah. Which is yeah. Part of the best you can ask the Jeopardy was great, but finals are never really great yeah. spe- like great games to watch. But it's just it's always the ten- attention of it, isn't it? Which just makes it so exhilarating. But yeah. Um, yeah, thankfully we got. Do you know what? Results. I was I was sitting there at one point. We we watched it together, the three of us in in Berlin at a public viewing, of course. And I was sitting there looking around, all those people, you know, congregating together, watching a football match, a really dramatic game. And I was just, I was just thinking, this is so much fun. I miss this so much, like going to football and yeah. being in stadiums and things like that. And it felt like a little slice of that. Whether the uh, the epidemiologists of the world would agree with that, I don't know, because I read <laughs> something earlier that, that one one epidemiologist was saying like it was pretty terrifying to see. So many unmasked people at Wembley and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully uh, nothing uh, too bad comes from that. But uh, yeah, let's let's talk about the game now. Um, I asked you on Friday, Fra, uh, what it meant to Italy to reach this final. How special was it to see them lift this trophy? I was. Uh, I mean, I didn't. I didn't actually see them lifting the trophy until this morning. But uh, <laughs> uh, it was uh, amazing. It was really. I cannot describe the emotions we 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 went through the last night. Because honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't very confident during the 90 minutes. And I mean, we're going to talk later about penalties and all of that. But okay. uh, seeing what you were saying right now, uh, an, an entire country celebrating like Italy was last night after what happened last year in, in our country, it's, it's speechless, really. And uh, it's uh, just amazing. Like we, I was celebrating the whole night uh, and talking with people I didn't know. And uh, it's, it's just something that, I mean, I didn't really experience the 2006 World Cup because I was too young for that. I mean, I was watching the game with my family and that's it. Uh, this is my first real uh, international tournament I celebrated. And it's uh, uh, surreal. Uh, it's a night that I won't forget for the rest of my days. So it's unbelievable. I love, I love how you can just casually toss off a World Cup like that. Yeah, I don't really remember that one that well. But <laughs> <laughs> my, you know, my <laughs> my parents don't even remember England winning the World Cup. So <laughs> that's, how, that's how long ago that was. Um, what What are your feelings about the game today, Angelina? Was was it was it enough just to see England in a final, or, or are you still gutted that they lost? 
I think I'm still going to be gutted for a while. Um, I feel like in a few months, <laughs> I'll probably be able to look back and think, you know what, it's great that we managed to get to a final. And I, I do still think that, but yeah, you just, for, for me, it's it's hard to really put it into words, just absolutely gutted because especially when you think about the performance in the first half, there's you, you go over so many different things and you think, had they have done this? Had they have not done this? Substitutions, et cetera, et cetera. So at the moment, it's not enough that we just got to a final, but I'm sure once I've calmed down, <laughs> I'll be able to see it that way. <laughs> Do you get the sense, Joel, that despite this setback, England are, are building towards something now with Gareth Southgate, with this, this young group of players? Do you expect them to be strong contenders for the World Cup in 2022? Yeah, I think it's fair to suggest that, to be honest, because, you know, obviously now they've had you know, a World Cup where they got to the semi-final stage and, and obviously they've gone one stage further this time, but obviously didn't get the result they wanted. But they've now had two very good tournaments, two successful tournaments. And, you know, that, that is something that will, will give a lot of the players and the squad and, and, and maybe some of the fans confidence that there's, you know, there's a bit of a mentality build. And obviously they, you could say on paper they have failed, of course they have, but... Um, and, you know, it's not completely as you know as black and white as that. They they have played well in in both tournaments and got to where they have done. But um, if you look ahead, obviously to, to World Cup, which is only eighteen months time because football never stops. <laughs> um, a lot of these players can probably still be of the age where they can, they can contribute to that tournament if they if they literally flip the squad. I mean, you know, and, and you've got a lot of young lads in there as well, so who will have you know eighteen months more experience that will help them. But it's, it's only really we look at sort of like you Carl know, Walker will be maybe thirty three at the times, and and Kieran Trippier thirty two, and maybe Henderson would, probably won't make it. But other than that, I, I think pretty much all the squads will be of the age where they can contribute. So um, that that will help them, and you never know who's going to break through in that time as well. Um, but so, so yeah, I think England can, can, you know, we'll obviously be disappointed. England fans will be gutted this morning, but um, I think they can look ahead to the future with you know a bit of confidence, to be honest. And you reckon Southgate will be, uh, will be there for the World Cup? Um, he's not seemed to have committed, has he? I think I think no, they've got no, yeah. contract on the table for him, but um, I, mean, I think I think he'll stick around, yeah, because I'm not sure quite what he'll go and do afterwards, to be honest, whether it's a club job or not. I don't see him getting back into club football, but. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think he'll want to lift the trophy of his country, won't he? Yeah. I have a question, guys. Uh, why did he make those changes at the last minute of the of the extra time? Well, he wanted, to, he wanted to get some good penalty takers on, didn't he? Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. That, that went well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because to be honest, I, I was expecting Rashford and Sancho to come in at the beginning of the... Yeah. Of the uh, of the extra time. I mean, why Why would he put it at the last minute? Yeah, why? I, I Only for penalties? It was just for the penalties, yeah. I think he's been taking notes from um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and the way that he plays his subs with Man United in that he waits until like the 90th minute of a normal game to put subs on. I think they've been talking. That's the only thing I can take from it. <laughs> well, the, the, I think... Um... Uh, Sancho and um, Rashford, their their penalties were their third touch of the match or something. So people are saying now that like, well, how can you expect someone to sort of put them into that pressure cooker environment and then immediately, you know, score a a pressure penalty like that? It's not really going to work, is it? But uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about his his game management shortly, actually. But I want to know how you were feeling when Luke Shaw put England 1-0 up after two minutes. Were you you worried at that point or did you always feel calm and confident that Italy were going to come back into it? I... I was watching the game with friends and uh, I told them this is the new Italy-Spain 2012, uh, 4-0, that's it, uh, it's, the game is over, it's not going to go well for us because to be honest, if you concede a goal in Wembley, 
after two minutes, you're, you're dead everywhere uh, in, in any occasion. And, but, and so I wasn't expecting a comeback, to be honest. Um, also because I felt that the first 10 minutes were crucial because if you don't consider goal in the first 10, 15 minutes with all the crowd singing and all of that, then you could, you could improve your, your game and you could, you could do better. So I was shocked and uh, felt that it was over even before starting the game. So. Uh, that was my my my, my emotion at the time, uh, but thank God we have we have a coach like Roberto Mancini who is calm and he he, he changed everything and we 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 equalised in the second half. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, when that goal went in where we were, people were singing footballs coming home, and it it felt like it was coming home actually. Yeah. Um, did you get a bit carried away at that point, Angelina? Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I will completely cop to it. Um, I think once I calmed down after the goal it was a bit like well hang on it's really not home at all because we've still got a very long way to go as was demonstrated but yeah I think I think a lot of people were getting carried away and I guess you can't really blame them because like you say scoring such an early goal at Wembley in a final people are going to get you know ahead of themselves mm. I just kind of thought like I don't know it's, I, it, the 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 possibility of Italy scoring a goal didn't even occur to me until it happened, really. But to be fair, Dan, you were you were getting a bit carried away with yourself because, like I said at the time, I've never seen a Manchester City player celebrate a Man United player scoring a goal hey, as hard in my life, I must say. You weren't supposed to tell people about that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm spilling the tea, what can uh, I say? You certainly are, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I joked on, on Friday on the podcast that uh, England would win the game 3-0 and for the first 20 minutes or so it looked like that might actually be the case. Um, why do you think England couldn't take it, make the most of that early advantage, Joel? It was a really weird one because I think, um, although Italy definitely dominated the second half of the game and, and you know completely took control in the second forty-five minutes, the first half Italy were there, uh, Italy were there for the taking, and I think going to make that two-nil. I didn't get the feeling that Italy would have come back and, and scored two goals. To be honest with you, but um, they they just didn't didn't go for it afterwards. It's not that they sort of they withdrew and played really defensively they just they didn't quite make Donnarumma make another save after that I don't think um, and I think they had you know, a header from a corner which went over but they didn't just think take control of it and I'm not sure whether it's a tactical thing or not I don't know if Southgate was happy to rest on his laurels and, and see themselves at 1-0 because obviously England have had you know a very good defensive tournament as well where you know, they've only conceded one goal on, on the run up to the final um, and so, so I think he's, he's just Gareth Southgate is a conservative manager and um, and and that is absolutely fine because that that kind of football can win tournaments. Mm. But I think the game state of last night, if they were there, and I think they'd made that two 0 they probably would have won that game. And for some reason, they just didn't go for it and didn't take control of it. And it, you know, it's come back to uh, to bite them sadly. Yeah. So, I read before that there was 95 minutes between England's goal and their next shot on target from open play, which kind of tells you how, how the game went for them after that point. Um, what do you think changed for Italy uh, towards the end of that first half that enabled them to take control of the game, Fra? And, uh, and will you feel a bit more optimistic about, at half-time? Um, listen, I... If I think about the game, uh, apart the first 20 minutes where Italy, I think, were like kind of shocked after the goal conceded uh, after two minutes... Um, I don't think Italy played that bad. I think they, they were, uh, kind of controlling the, the ball, the game. They weren't creating a lot of, uh, uh, of opportunities. That's for sure. But 
towards the end of the first half, Italy was more in control of the game. I felt that England were uh, conceding a lot of spaces in the in the between the defense and the midfield. So there were there was a, some sort of room to to create something, um, but uh, at the same time. Uh, Italy didn't create anything. So when, when, when the second half started, in my opinion, the game was very similar to the end of the first half. And then when, you know, Bonucci <laughs> had that, 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 that occasion, he, he didn't miss it. Thanks God. And we, <laughs> we, 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 we made it. But, uh, uh, I don't, I think the game at the end wasn't really bad from Italy. Um, it wasn't like, um, it wasn't that we we didn't create or we didn't it didn't I think that England uh, they they only had one shot in the whole ninety minutes yeah. uh, and there was the goal uh, after two minutes so uh, I think that the game was kind of boring at the end like all the finals <laughs> as we said before but uh, it wasn't boring for us because I lost three kilograms but uh, <laughs> in general in general I think it was a, not an amazing game of football. I think I put on about 300 kilograms with all the beer I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think uh, Do you think Southgate got his team selection right, Angelino? I mean, it produced the opening goal with Trippier crossing for sure, but do you think that, that's enough to kind of justify it in the end? Um, I feel like I can understand why he changed things up, but I guess for me it's kind of like, I don't know, I, I wish. You, you look back and you think, what if he would have started with a lineup that he'd pretty much started with, you know, most of the lineups we could guess who was going to be in it. You know what I mean, apart from maybe one or two changes. So I think I would have liked to have seen the team that I think we all imagined. I think maybe I'm just a little bit biased, but I think it would have been nice to have maybe seen Sancho starting on the right. Um, but then Southgate hasn't really used him. So I guess not, but yeah, I think for me, um, I'm not a hundred percent keen on the, uh, the team selection that he made, and yeah, I wish we would have seen the one that we all thought. Yeah, you do, you do kind of wonder is he is he wasting a bit of talent there, a bit of attacking talent? I mean, he sort of did the same thing against Germany, didn't he? And that was kind of justified by the result in the end. But yeah, you, you lose a game like this, and you, you do start wondering why if he just put Grealish on a bit earlier or giving Sancho well, a bit yeah. more time. Yeah, it's it's impossible to say, isn't it, really? I guess it, it just it felt like the game was being played towards penalties <laughs> at one point to me. It was like, we'll just yeah. get to penalties and, and hope for the best rather than like having a real genuine strategy. I mean, what, what did you make of his, of his in-game management, Joel? He, he did his, his favourite trick of subbing a substitute again. Is, is that <laughs> the move of a savvy manager to you or should, does it suggest that he's not getting his subs right in the first place? I mean, you couldn't do it if you didn't have five subs, really, could you, as well? So No, no, you couldn't. But I, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily the, the sub, the, some of the sub things like the, you know, the waste, shouts in the world. I mean, he, he did it for her. He took really shoft in the, in the Denmark game and brought Trippier on. And I think at the time, that probably made a bit of sense, actually, in terms of you know trying to see out the results. Um, but I think yesterday he takes Jordan Henderson off, and it, I mean it's not necessarily the fact he took you know Henderson off like that. That was the you know it's controversial or, or whatever. It's just he, he obviously mentioned there about bringing Sancho in and Rashford on for penalties, and you know he's, he's taken off a, a guy there who's you know. Won the, won the Premier League, won the Champions League, and you would think would be, and it has the technical ability to take a penalty. So it's whether they, you know, he's maybe got that decision wrong in terms of who he's taken off there. But I think, I think his in game management can come under criticism because, you know, and Fra alluded to a bit earlier on, you know, not bringing Sancho and Rashford on earlier than he did, like to actually affect the game in extra time because, 
you know, if anything's going to decide next time, it's bringing on the, the, those kind of lads who are quick, really, really good at football, by the way. Why has he not brought them on? Yeah. And, and, you know, try to get them against the tiring legs and, 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 and guys who, you know, you know, put 90 minutes of football into it and, you know, and, and try to affect the game. And I don't think, I think he's possibly got that wrong. And I think, you know, it's easy to say in hindsight now, but Saka and Grealish probably didn't seem to be the right subs. And, you can say, you know, I can say that now very easily, but, you know, they've obviously been very good at this tournament, both of them, and, and you can see why he's brought them on, but it didn't really affect the game in any way, and I just wonder whether they, they, they didn't get brought on at the right time, if a you know, British have been brought on earlier, but but yeah, I think I think Southgate can take some criticism for that, and um, you know, it hasn't worked out, but at the end of the day, he lost some penalties, so he's not necessarily got too much wrong, just the way it is. Yeah, and if and if uh, Sancho or Saka, had, uh, sorry, Sancho or, or Rashford had scored their penalty, then we'd be looking at that as a masterstroke, wouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, you think sure, if you're yeah. just going to put someone on for penalties, you could have like a competition for the to find the best penalty taker in Britain or something. It, it doesn't even <laughs> necessarily have to be a professional footballer; we just put them in yeah. the squad and just bring them on for penalties. Like that Maguire wins. Yeah, I mean, that was amazing. <laughs> that one wasn't it? Yeah, and the thing about Henderson, Joel, he. He did miss a penalty at the World Cup, didn't he? Against Colombia, if I remember rightly, in the, oh, in the shootout yeah, then. Yeah, so maybe that maybe that was in his his mind as well. But yeah, um, how do the Italian people feel about Leonardo Bonucci now? For I mean, he's a he's a bit of a controversial figure, let's say. But he, is he a national hero now? Okay, I think Kellini and Bonucci now are like dead and mum for everyone here. Uh, <laughs> there is no one who will talk bad about them in the next ten years. Uh, you're right. He's a controversial figure, especially for what he, when, when he moved from Juventus to AC Milan, then he's like kind of, he's always, uh, saying what he thinks, uh, like very openly. And that sometimes is not accepted by, by, by the fans, but in, that's classic of Italian people. You know, when you play for the national team, uh, you are you're, you're the best. It doesn't mm-hmm. count what you play, who you play for. And if you think about 2006, Materazzi and Cannavaro and Totti and uh, Del Piero, especially Materazzi was probably the, the most controversial, controversial Italian defender in the history of football. And mm-hmm. He was the hero of everyone in that year. And I think we can compare Materazzi with Bonucci. And Bonucci now is very similar. A part of the goal he scored, he was... He was a, a wall this, this, mm. during this tournament. He was amazing. And when he plays like that with Chiellini, I cannot find a better duo in, in Europe, Europe right now, to be honest. Yeah. And probably even in South America, in, in the whole world. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was funny how he did his uh, celebration when he scored as well. Is What is it? Wash your mouth before you talk about me or something, yeah. he says. That, that's the always uh, he always do that. Yeah, that's exactly, his uh, yeah, celebration, yeah. and uh, yeah, it means uh, in Italian we say "sciacquatevi la bocca." That means yeah, wash your mouth when when you talk about me or when my team or whatever. And uh, yeah, doing that Wembley in front of eighty thousand people, it's another thing. Well, he was singing "It's coming to Rome" at the end as well, wasn't it? <laughs> and he, and he was, do you see him drinking the uh, the beer and the coke in the yeah, press conference? Yeah, I, I said I'm gonna drink everything tonight. <laughs> Well, I hope he had, I hope he had a good night. <laughs> um, I think they did. I think they did. <laughs> yeah. How were you feeling, Angelina, as we approached that penalty shootout? Because I, I was, I was really getting the vibes that you know all the, all the sort of history behind England's penalty shootout failures. You know, Gareth Southgate missing at, at Euro '96 and all that kind of thing. It felt like it was destiny that England were going to win on penalties. Were you feeling that, or were you, were you terrified? 
Oh, I felt ill. I mean, I don't <laughs> really have um, good memories of penalties being a Manchester United fan, as I told you guys at the time, you know, I've already had to endure one horrific penalty shootout. I didn't quite fancy another one. But um, no, I get what you mean about that whole destiny thing and the time when I saw Rashford and Sancho coming on, I've felt pretty positive about everything. Um, so yeah, I think I was kind of silently like in my own head thinking, you know what? Yeah, maybe destiny, yeah. you know, England to finally have a good penalty shootout. And I'm I'm not too sure about the stats, but I think like Italy have had a few, maybe not the best penalty shootouts over the years. So I was thinking mm, maybe that could play a role, who knows? But then I looked at Donovan and I just thought, we ain't got a chance then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe that's the first time a team has won a penalty shootout, uh, two penalty shootouts in the same European Championship. Yeah. It's never happened before, yeah. So, bit of history there. I mean, of course, England said. <laughs> of course, England lost on penalties with uh, with Rashford, Sancho, and Saka all missing, as we've said. Um, there's some there's some debate at the moment, Joel, about whether perhaps more experienced players should have been taking those penalties. I know Roy Keane has some very strong views about that. Uh, do you uh, subscribe to that school of thought at all? Roy Keane having strong views, you do surprise <laughs> me. Um, I, I, it's a, I, don't, I don't know. I think it's a weird one because you know we look at. Who else was on the pitch to take a penalty at the time? And yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not too sure who who else is stepping. I mean, Grealish possibly. Grealish been like, and he's come out and said on Twitter today that he, you know he offered to take a penalty, mm. just you know didn't get the didn't, didn't get the nod. But uh, no, I, I, I think that's a difficult one. I, I, possibly because you know he did take Henderson off, and I think there's probably a wrong decision to make. But like you say, he did miss a pen in the World Cup. But I, I, I think it's too hard and, and, and do too much analysing of penalty shootouts. It's just, it does feel like a lot of time it is to look at the draw and like he's saying it, you're walking up and you're looking at Don Roma and the size of him thinking no, no one's got a chance against him. Yeah. And then, you know, Italy players are walking up and looking at Jordan Pickford and, and and it doesn't give you the same feelings, does he? Uh, although he does, he did make a. You know, save, he saved the same uh, amount of penalties as Donnarumma. He uh, <laughs> did make a great save for Georgina, but he has got the alarm, so you know uh, that is a fact. Um, <clears throat> but no, I, I think there's too much analysis of, of penalty shootouts. I think it's, it's really harsh to sort of to criticise the players who miss penalties too much, and, and I don't think look too much into it. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't want to sort of go in too much on on Saka, Sancho, or Rashford, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, the other player that Keane mentioned was Sterling. Like, why didn't he take one? And you yeah. do, you do wonder, but also, he's not a great striker of the ball, Sterling. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mm. be particularly confident. I just felt so sorry for Saka having that um, pressure on his shoulders. Like I said, all that, all that history, all this, what, how much it meant to England this game, and all, all comes down to a young lad. Um, he looks gutted and hope he hope he gets over it very quickly. Um, I mean, Fry, you must have been celebrating already when you saw Jorginho stepping up, right? How how shocked were you that he he had his penalty saved? And that was that was quite uh, surprising because, uh, to be honest, it was uh, not that I was I was confident, but of course, Jorginho never missed. Penalty. I think I said this in the last podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, he missed the penalty in the final. So I'm not gonna say that again <laughs> ever in my life. But uh, uh, yeah, of course, I was quite confident because he's probably the best penalty shooter we have in in the squad. And when he missed that, actually, I was thinking this is it because. Yeah. Mm, psychologically speaking, the whole stadium was celebrating like they scored the, the, the winning goal in the last minute, I think. And, uh, and, and then, of course, I didn't understand the decision of, of Saka because I don't remember him scoring, shooting penalties in his career. Maybe I missed something, but I, I didn't remember that. 
And uh, and I think that Donnarumma factor is something that I said in the last podcast too, right? Remember yeah. then I said, uh, it's like a giant and you mm-hmm. see him, uh, if you see the difference from Pickford and, and Donnarumma, Donnarumma is probably the double. Uh, <laughs> well, they, <laughs> they hugged, didn't they, just before the penalties and it was like, you could see the height difference there, right there. And, yeah. and for a player like Saka, who never never did something like this in, in his career, having Donnarumma is, a, I think, was a factor and... Uh, he saved it and, and, and it was one of the few Italians that, that really understood we, we, we won the pen, we, we won the, the, the Euros at the point because, you know, I think there was some sort of confusion because I think the last, the, the last three penalties were, were missed by, yeah. by, by the, the, yeah, by everyone. So it was, uh, was a disaster in terms yeah. of penalties. <laughs> and, uh, so many people didn't really realize we were, we actually won. I think Donnarumma didn't even realize. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't won. sure either, actually. He, he, yeah, he yeah. was, he, they, they say on Twitter now, oh no, that's his way to celebrate. I don't think so. I think he just didn't know. He didn't know that. <laughs> he, he didn't realize he won. Yeah. won. So uh, yeah, that's even better. Well, it, I mean, was it Berardi who missed the first one for Italy? I think it was, wasn't it? Um, yeah. uh, uh, no, Berardi. No, the, the the first one. Wait, wait a second. Now I, I have to think about everything again. <laughs> I can't remember either. No, Berardi. Berardi scored, right? No, Belotti. Belotti missed. Belotti. Belotti. Belotti, Belotti, yeah. Belotti when, yeah. When that one was saved, I, I mean, the people where we were, and you could even see on the England bench, people were looking at each other like, "Oh my God, England are going to win. They're actually yeah. going to win. I can't believe this." And then, no, uh, for me, the, the key penalty was the Bonucci one. I don't know if you agree with me because mm. after Maguire was super difficult to go there another center defender another center back and on the, on the on the penalty and and then he had uh, it was super cold and he did it so i yeah. think that was that was that was crucial because if he missed that i think we were never going to win yeah for sure um overall angelina do you feel like italy deserved to win the tournament or is there, is there a sense of regret that this was a bit of a missed opportunity for england you know what? It's a bit of a mixed emotion thing because I think from the England perspective, you can, taking Italy and how brilliant they've been in the tournament, taking that out of it for a second, if you just look at England in that game, I think because we really didn't take hold of the game as we should have done in that first half, I think there's always going to be a bit of regret because you will look back and think, like what Joel said, you know, had we have scored another goal before half time, we would have probably been feeling a little bit more comfortable. All that type of stuff, you definitely factor all of that in. And I think I personally will always feel a little bit of regret. Like I think in the first half, definitely it was kind of there for the taking. But when you then bring Italy into it um, and taking my England bias aside, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm buzzing for them, to be honest, because I think it's fantastic. I think the story's great. You know, after the World Cup and everything, to come back, to win, I'd, I think it's great. And I think congratulations to them. And out of yeah. any other team in the tournament, seeing how well that they've done throughout, you, you'd want them to win as a football fan. Yeah, totally agree. I'm very, I'm very happy for our Italian friends and uh, Roberto Mancini and all that kind of thing. And, <laughs> I mean, as a, as a, we've we've talked about our varying degrees of England support on the podcast before, and as someone who's not the biggest England fan, <laughs> I mean, I definitely wanted them to win last night, but I'm not that upset that they didn't really. I do, I do still feel a little bit of disappointment that we were so close to witnessing uh, what would have been a ho- historic moment for the country, really. And again, penalties. Again, they lost on penalties, just like the same old. Uh, stuff that they sing about in um, Three Lions, England's going to throw it away, going to blow it away. Um, how do you feel about it, Jolie? Uh, would you say you're actually glad England lost 
um, as a as a as a very non-supportive English person, or or do you feel a, a bit of disappointment as well? No way. No, I definitely don't feel disappointment. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, you know, rub people's noses in or, or you know, and, and act like I'm gleeful and, and really, really happy. Like I'm, I'm not going to say I'm glad, but uh, it's yeah. My, you were my, ch- my you were chanting Italia, Italia at the beer garden last night. <laughs> nah. I know, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Guilty, yeah. I've got, I've got my, my mate, my mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that is true. I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't defend myself for that, can I? Um, but, but no, I mean, obviously, I know a lot of people support England. I've got friends there who are, you know, gutted this morning. Um, so I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, run around and, and, and sing it today. Maybe once the recording goes off, I'll, I'll start chatting Italian again. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I obviously have my reasons for not supporting England. I'm not gonna bore people of that now, but, uh, um, you know, when you do see some of the reaction today from, you know, various, you know, areas on social media and, and some fans and even some MPs, actually, um, you feel a bit justified in that because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a lot, mm-hmm. there's a bad, bad core of English supporters, but and, you know, that's probably the case of a lot of clubs, club, clubs as well. Like, you know, there are bad eggs everywhere, but um, yeah, it, it is just hard, you know, it's difficult to, it, it, I guess it is nice in a way to see, you know, a lot of the, nation get behind the players recently um, and, and you, you see when the country comes together how, how nice that can be but you know it, it didn't take long for it to go completely sour and go completely west again and I've just you know it's it's really difficult to see and mm. it's it's horrible to be honest and that's why I, you know I don't get behind them but um, but yeah I'm, I'm not going to rub people's noses in it you know so, <laughs> not just yet anyway. that's good of you that's good of you <laughs> I, mean, I mean it's probably for the best that England didn't win because London probably would have spontaneously combusted or something wouldn't it it was <laughs> You know, people people were already setting things on fire before the game had even began yesterday. So, <laughs> yeah, probably for the best. Um, did you cry when Mancini cried, Fra? Uh, again, I have I to be honest did. with you. I, I, no, I I watched that this morning at seven a.m. I didn't see that before, so I was uh, I was I, I wasn't I wasn't crying, but I was really really touched yeah. because uh, I think that that moment it's amazing. Uh, you know, Mancini didn't have a good history as a footballer for the national team. Mm. He wasn't he wasn't called up for many tournaments because he didn't have a good relationship with Berzot, who was the the coach at the time. And um, because you know his temperament as a player was different. Was was a, that's why he likes Balotelli. He was he was a Balotelli back at the time, you know. <laughs> and uh, so seeing him uh, like this in Wembley, you know, he lost the Champions League final in in, in Wembley with with Sampdoria against Barcelona. Uh, so so in that stadium, he won that. Uh, with Vialli, we know what's going through, what ha- was happening with Vialli, his history, what is going through with the cancer. So it's yeah. the friendship they have. It's too much, really. Yeah. So it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Does this achievement kind of immortalize Mancini as an Italian football legend? If I, do they have like, um, anything like a knighthood in Italy? <laughs> Cause like, they no, were, to- no, they were no. talking about knight in Sa- Gower Southgate. Do, will, will Mancini, no. get, will, they, will they name a, a, a pasta dish after him or something like that instead? Or? No, 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 no. They, they have like some sort of, you know, uh, yeah, medals for the, from the government and all of uh, that. But it's not, it's not such a thing, of course, as, as, as it happens in, in UK. Absolutely. It's totally different. Um, but for me, it's already immortal Mancini in the legend of Italian football. So it's not a, a news for me, but, uh, for sure now, even there were a lot of people who didn't like Mancini, to be honest, uh, in Italy. Uh, but I think after this, it's, there is no doubt, like he's the best coach in the history of Italian football. 
he, nobody did better than him. And, and not talking about what I think, I'm talking about st statics and, mm -hmm. and, and facts. And he, he was the best and he's the best right now. And uh, uh, looking forward to, to the 2022. Yeah. Do you think he's genuinely changed Italy's outlook on football a little bit? Is Ticitalia here to stay? Uh, it, I mean, I don't want to talk five hours about how he changed Italian football, but for <laughs> sure, for sure, he changed the mentality more than anything of course he's he's, he's bringing uh, another kind of football on the pitch but i i want to remind you that this is the basically the same team that didn't qualify for the work in 2018 mm. it's not that different okay you can say that it was not gigi donnarumma but it was gigi buffon so <laughs> there was no nicola barella but it was daniele de rossi there mm. uh the others the difference is the same the midfield is more or less the same yeah there are some there is case of course there are some difference i'm not talking i'm not saying it is 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 the, is the same but um he basically com convinced uh, the same group of people that they could not just qualify for a tournament but win a tournament mm. and they did it in in two years so it's that's that's what changed in in, in the italian football culture in the last two years and that's only credit to Roberto Mancini. What a man. I love him so much. Yeah. I always will. <laughs> um, I want to reflect a little bit on the, on the tournament as a whole now because I remember before it started, I was wondering whether it was actually going to be any good. I, I was worried that the players were all going to be exhausted after a busy domestic season. And I don't think the standard was particularly high in every single game, but it, it was a really, really enjoyable tournament. I, I found it quite wholesome, like a, a real like festival of football. It was, it was yeah. very, very enjoyable. So I, I want you all to tell me what, what was your favourite thing about Euro 2020? You can go first, Fra. <laughs> I, I mean, it would be too easy to say uh, Italy winning, or we talk about it in the last uh, in the last uh, half an hour. So I'm not gonna say anything about Italy. So excluding Italy, uh, I just want to point out the the captain of Denmark, Simon Kjær, uh, because what what he has done is something that I think we will remember for years. Uh, uh, these Euros for Italy winning, of course, uh, and that's that's something for sure, but also for the episode of Christian Eriksen and how Kier behaved after what happened on the pitch. And that's something that, uh, for me, is as important as winning the, the trophy. Yeah, for sure. Angelina, for you? Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one. There's so many different things. <laughs> but um, And I, I was going to say that my favourite thing was kind of seeing players and fans and everything come together not just with the Christian Eriksen situation but with other kind of causes and stuff and we've seen people kind of step up to the plate in certain situations regarding like social changes and seeing like togetherness of actual people after COVID and everything but then as Joel touched on you know seeing a lot of the things that are going on in the UK this morning kind of leaves a bit mm. of a sour taste in yeah. my mouth but I think my, minus that I think seeing the togetherness of of people is probably been my favorite thing yeah for you Joel England not winning no um <laughs> I would say I would I, I think you know what just having fans back in stadiums yeah is a massive thing and I think in the last year the last year uh, or 18 months or whatever of having football behind closed doors and obviously been thankful for having it because it, you go see escapism from what everything else is going on but it has really been just it lost its soul really and it's, it's just great to have, to have it back and to see you know that that noise of the you know when the when the goal when the ball hits the net and you hear that roar again and you forgot how good that was so definitely having fans back in stadiums has been incredible for me 
Yeah, that moment when, when Pickford saved Jorginho's penalty, it just it went off, didn't it, in that yeah. bit of garden. It was great. Yeah. Obviously, it was uh, a <laughs> bit short-lived, but yeah. Uh, who, who, was, who was the player of the tournament for you, Fra? Um, okay, I will pick one from Italy here because I have to. So I'm, I'm going with Gigi Donnarumma uh, because I think, not, not just because he was voted as the player of the tournament, <laughs> But because I'm glad that he's a player that he never played Champions League football. He's a player that only people and fans and, and that watch and really are dedicated to Serie A know him very well. Otherwise, I'm sure that not many uh, people are confident with, with him and with, with what he has done in the last years. Um, and now it's in the eyes of everyone that he is, in my opinion, the one of the two, three best goalkeepers that we have right now in, in Europe and in the world. Mm. And uh, we're talking about a player that is uh, 22 years old. Yeah, I repeat myself, 22 <laughs> years old. And he played more than 200 professional games in his career. And he's 22 years old and he's a goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he, I think we are close to golden, Bo- uh, the, to Ballon d'Or material here, in my opinion. Wow. If he, if he continues to do like that, if he plays Champions League, if he try, if he wins also with, with his club, he has nothing to, to, to worry about. He's really the best one, the best. And I'm glad that a lot of people now know how he is. And I just want to pick another player. A part of Donnarumma and his Spinazzola from Italy, mm-hmm. I think, was by far the the best wing we had in the and the best le- uh, left back we had in the in the, in the tournament until he played. Um, and it's super sad to not see him playing for the next six months, but I'm sure that he will be back, and uh, he also deserved that. Yeah, definitely. Angelina, player of the tournament for you. Um, I know that he was voted the the young player, but I think Pedri really impressed me I think it's great to see um you know an 18 year old do as well as he did for Spain um I know he had that own goal slip up situation but I don't think that was in his fault really it's more down to the goalkeeper but yeah I just think to to see him playing so well um I've always been an admirer of his anyway so just to see him have a really good tournament I think was great um from a personal if I'm going for an England player uh for me Raheem Sterling um Again, without getting into too much of the politics of stuff, but I think he's proved a lot of people wrong. I think he's silenced a lot of critics. Am I going to sit here and say he's the best footballer in the world? Absolutely not, because he still has his weaknesses, as we see, you know, for Manchester City at times. Mm -hmm. But I just think out of all the players, somebody that deserved a really good tournament and a good run and and the respect that he has received, um, Sterling for me. Yep. And for you, Joel? Um, I think um, Joachim Mahler from Denmark, I think, was you know, probably stuck. I mean, I love attacking wing back, so I think he stood out for me. I think Spinazzola would have been a great shout. If, if he hadn't got injured, he probably would have went on to, to be the player of the tournament. But I think Mahler for me, um, and I think just in terms for one thing only, is outside of the boot cross to set up Casper Dolberg yeah. for uh, the goal against Czech Republic, which was brilliant. But he, he, was, he was great every game. He just uh, really excited me and was great to watch. Um, and he was, you know, he was shunned in the England game. He didn't, he didn't really get into it. And I think that probably played some part in Denmark not winning. Um, but also a special mention to Jorginho as well. Um, who thought was brilliant all the way through. Um, as become probably one of the most complete all-round midfielders in, in, in European football, to be honest. Um, <coughs> I'm looking forward to seeing him in the Premier League again next season. Indeed. And the favourite goal for you, Fra? 
I go with Patrick Schick. Uh, <laughs> the, the the goal he scored uh, Scotland. against Scotland, exactly. Uh, I think that one was the by far the best one of the tournament. <laughs> Angelina. I was going to go with the same one. I thought it was absolutely <laughs> stunning. One of those moments where you're like, oh my God, did that just happen? Um, I mean, a shame for Scotland that it happened against them. But yeah, that one for me, you, you can't beat it. Hey, our friend Podrick saw that live in the stadium, so I'm sure he enjoyed it very much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joel? Uh, I'm going to go with Christensen's goal um, for Denmark oh, yeah. against uh, Russia. The one that sealed them getting through, really, or made a free one, so they needed probably all right to get through. Um, just the way the way it goes in and the way the, the Russian keeper just goes, nah, I'm not saving that, I'm not getting anywhere near that. And um, I think it was a great strike, especially from the centre-half as well. But also the celebrations off the bench um, all comes together with the players. is great, so yeah. I'll go for that one. Yeah, I'm going to say Pogba against Switzerland. I thought that was just a mm. beautifully yes. pleasing goal. Yes. Yeah, of course. Little did we True. know at that time that that was not going to be what that game was remembered for. But yeah, it was, uh, it was a stunner. Uh, Favourite match, Francesco, please. Uh, here I have to decide. I have to pick one. Uh, <laughs> I go. I go with. I go with the final. I have to go with the final because of the emotions we. I. I felt yesterday. I, I don't remember honestly feeling the same for another game in my life. Yeah. Uh, I'm not talking about the quality of football because I said before it wasn't a, a really nice game at the end. Mm. But uh, talking about uh, what I experienced, what I lived, what I. What I my emotions that was the best game of the tournament uh, with so many up and downs with so many frustrations happiness uh, and and so uh, yeah i go with the final fair enough angelina for you um for me i'll probably actually go with the group stage game portugal germany um because i the, i didn't have a horse in the race and just <laughs> as a neutral watching it you know two horrendous own goals that were very entertaining for me um but yeah, I think that one for me was a very entertaining one. So just going off that alone, that's the one I'd go for. Yeah, I really enjoyed the um, uh, Germany-France game in the group game. It, it was only 1-0, but it was just a really like absorbing contest, like two heavyweight boxers slugging at each other, it felt like to me, that game. What about you, Joel? I think the uh, Croatia-Spain game and uh, the one in... In lockout rounds and with five feet of Spain oh, yeah. extra time. <laughs> Had the comedic own goal, which is always great. Um and you know, a really good comeback um, with a late last you know, late goal and then, you know, a bit of a redemption story with you know, Morata scoring. Um yeah. to put well, pretty much put state Spain through. And it was played at the best stadium as well, which uh Park End in, in Copenhagen, which yeah. is just <laughs> a really, really really good to see games played there this tournament. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, what a great tournament it was. We've had a, a lot of fun. Uh, that concludes our final podcast of Euro 2020. Thanks to Fra, Angelina and Joel for joining me on this men- momentous occasion. And you can get back to the pub now, Fra, or whatever you're doing, uh, <laughs> celebrating. And thanks, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be taking a short break from podcasting about men's football, but we will be back in time for the new season. Uh, however, Angelina, you are going to be carrying on with the women's football show during the Olympics, are you not? Yes, we will be chatting all about the Olympics. We've got a few interviews with a few players that have been making some moves in the summer transfer window. So yeah, lots of good stuff. Exciting stuff, yes. Uh, Make sure you tune in for that and enjoy the rest of the summer.
Thank you.